Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are listening to Nickish. It is March 5th, 2022. The Knicks are one game removed from another heartbreaking loss against the Phoenix Suns. But before we get into that, we want to mention a few items first. Uh, make sure you guys are checking out our website, nick-ish.com. We got some dope hoodies and hats for you guys to pick up today. Um, make sure you guys are going on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, giving us that five-star review. And make sure, make sure you're subscribed. Tell your friends. Tell everyone. Uh, we're going up from here. So what is going on, guys? How are you guys doing today? We're, uh, again, one game removed from the game against the Suns. How are you feeling? It's been right? a long, long week, man. Long, long <laughs> week. Long week in more ways than one. But uh, as, it, as it pertains to the Knicks, it's, it's not been a good one, bro. I mean, good or bad, depending on how you feel. Um, I guess right now I'm at the point where I'm just apathetic and indifferent about what's happening. Definitely, we definitely either we tank in or it's, you know, unintentional or intentionally. But yeah, doing all right. You know what I mean, greatest unintentional tank job I've ever seen. They, 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 they should, they got to write a book about this. We got to do tanking to the top for, for Nick, Nick's edition, Tom Thibodeau edition. This is a case study. This is a whole ass case on what happened from last year, this year for us to get into this position. I, I have you're, no, I, I have no bottom. idea. You're going to see uh, D- DBQ document based questions based on this next season, man. Oh my God. Right. Uh, DBQs just be like different pictures of Tibbs angry, like different moves. Like, what well, was he angry about? Was this a win? Was this a loss? <laughs> it was Obi Toppin uh, uh, dunking it for something. He's going to be like, what the fuck? Nah, it was Obi walking up to the scorer's bench to come in. <laughs> Tibbs is like, what? How could you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, we just here to, you know, laugh to keep from crying, I guess. You know what I mean? So, so we last night was it the uh, Phoenix? Um, I guess the first storyline from last night, if we want to dig into it, is obviously our, our, our quote unquote franchise player um, getting kicked out because he's childish as shit, apparently. Um, what are y'all t- first takeaways on uh, Julius and his uh, blood feud with Cam Johnson? I think that's what it was. You know what I mean? I mean, the what did what did Cam do exactly? He he, they're playing defense. Randall elbowed him. Cam pushed him a little bit, and then Randall gets in between. Uh, the, the ref gets in between them. He, he he pushes the ref a little bit, and then pushes Johnson. Like in today's NBA, you know you can't do that. You yeah. are the star player on a team. You have to be that guy to lead and not do that, and you know keep your emotions in check. And that's the problem with Randall this season. If anything, you know outside of shooting woes and all that, he. This dude can't keep his emotions in check. He's it's him versus the world right now. And, you know, he was, he had 25 points. He was on pace to drop maybe 40 points last night. And if he were to do that, we, we probably would have come out with a win, but not nah, like Randall had to act up in the third quarter and the momentum shifted. So not nah, man. Like if, if you Randall, you know, digression this season is, is the main factor for us. Not, you know, getting to where we were last regression. season. Regression. Yeah, Thank you. Regression. Yeah, there you go. See, regression. You, you pulled a Randall there. You fucked up. <laughs> That's too easy. Yeah, you doing shit, man. Yo, <laughs> I, I feel like with Julius Randall, this this is like he's obviously 
I know RJ right now is the best player on our team, and that's what he's taking that step forward. But Randall is right there. He he's one of the best players on our team. He should be the leader of our team. And you know, you you lose your cool like that, it it it, it reverberates with the rest of the team. That's what you're young. You know, you got some young guys on this team. That's what they're learning from. That's what they're seeing. That's frustrating. RJ, this is your prime example of a, of a player right in front of you. Hopefully, RJ is not learning from this guy. But you know, if this was at the in the beginning of this losing streak, I wouldn't be as upset because it's like words you're getting frustrated blah 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 it's been 20 like 17 games we've lost now that you're seeing that we need all hands on deck in the fourth quarter like you know the situation and you're still playing shit like this you're up you're you're the best player on our team that tonight 25 points you know going for it and then we're, we're we have a 10 point lead you making that decision right there is the difference between us winning the game and losing the game, losing the game by a point. Now you can point to a lot of things like Alec Burks missing the free throw. You can point to Cam Reddish being pulled out earlier, but honestly, Matt, at the end of the day, it falls on your best player to perform, whether it be on the court, off the court, whatever. And this guy, Cam Johnson's like, he's, he's nothing. He's a light skinned dude. He's not, he is not (laughs) some like Patrick (laughs) Beverly type of pushing into you. Like, bro, that was an average NBA play physical. I'm not going to say it wasn't physical, but it was an average physical NBA play. Calm down. Cool your jets, bro. It's, it's not that serious. He, he ain't come at your family. He didn't say Kaiden can't play ball or nothing. He is part of the game, bro. Grow up. Yo, and like, I'm just, how many times this season have we already kind of like, we're here just trying to kind of like not make excuses, but just rationalize this dude's childish behavior all season, bro. Like it's either intentional. Like he's just trying to like, you know, make a bad impression so that like when he's gone this summer, you know, he's, you know, like it doesn't sting us as much, or maybe he's trying to make sure that he's gone this summer. I don't know, but it's just, I'm tired of like this dude, quote unquote, being our leader, the guy we designated as a leader that Tibbs calls our engine. You know what I mean? Uh, he was our all-star. He was the guy that represented the Knicks last year in a storybook season. And for him to be like this, like a, just a petulant child, like, and, and you're like, fuck Cam Johnson. He's just like a, like a glorified three and D player right now. I've seen people on the timeline on Twitter yesterday probably drunk or on angel dust i don't know but they were saying cam johnson is better than rj i was like the fuck whatever i'm not gonna touch that you know what i mean i don't i don't i don't you know fuck with the mentally ill they let him rock but as far as like him having an issue with julius i mean i i, I feel for the boy because like, this man julius i like, put his shoulder into his chest and like caved it in and he fell over and i know he's known for flopping a little bit cam on these threes he takes but you know if he felt the type of way you know what i mean like i get it so that's why he had issue with Julius probably later in the game. Yeah, but but Julius, Julius being the hothead, he's probably he just like that. he escalated the shit out of that. We're like, yo, Cam pushed him. It's a physical NBA play. Like these guys yeah. are playing ball. It's emotional. You're gonna push someone. It's not like he shoved him to the ground. He gave him a little tap, pushed him, and then Julius got in his face. And come on, man, you're a man. You play in the NBA. He's gonna say something back. You got the ref right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Watch your tongue. Watch your tongue for two minutes. Go chirp at him back at the other side of the court. Cam Johnson's playing deep. You're playing defense on Cam Johnson. Talk, talk some shit. No one got. No one has a problem with you chirping at players. Sensible. Exactly. You got to be sensible with it. You exactly. can't be chirping in front of a ref. You can't be t- putting your hands on a ref. And like I don't know, man. Randall doesn't make it easier for himself. He is not. Not at all, bro. Uh, yeah. And like yeah. I see people. Yeah. Just, uh, just yeah, chime ahead. in real quick. Yeah, yeah, like just like I see people just trying to say like, oh, you know, that happens all the time on a basketball court, on playgrounds, whatever. You people get mad. I'm like, 
we're also not multimillionaires with a fucking sports psychologist on staff that's supposed to tell us emotional intelligence. You know what I mean? We're regular people out there just hooping with our friends. We get heated. This is Julius Randle, multimillionaire with like resources up the ass to like make sure that like, okay, at the very least, I should be able to handle my temper when like a young boy steps to me. You know what I mean? I shouldn't shove a ref out the way just so I could shove this kid when I already had a technical, right? He got a double technical, you know what I mean? Like, and then kicked out. And I'm just personally pissed because this motherfucker fucked up my parlay, bro. But that's a whole nother story for another day. You know what I mean? Love. But I'll throw it back to Mo. You want to chime in? He needed one rebound, right? Bro, he needed to get me his eighth rebound. And as soon <laughs> as it was looking like a possibility, this idiot just fucking thinks he's the incredible Hulk. Like, you, you wouldn't like me when I'm mad. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? Like, grow up, bro. Shit. Yeah, and <laughs> folks are going to point that this was this was a soft ejection. But, like, we all know today's NBA. None of us were surprised he was thrown out exactly. after he shoves the ref a little bit and goes after Cam. Like it's a pivotal third quarter. It's a, it's a close game. This is the number one team in the West right now. You don't do that. You're you're in a away game and you kind of you have the lead. And nah, man. He like, also this... made it like he made it super hot boy. Like it's not like it's like I said. Like trip oh, what? Say, you know? say things. Like everyone has the attention on you, eyes on you, and you just let that emotion burst out. You're you, this is not year one, year two of the NBA. This is not year one or year two with the Knicks. Like you're up 10 points. Where's the frustration? You're not, they're not, it's not like you're missing calls. It's not like something like, like there's no reason that needed to escalate the way it did. Yeah. And, yeah. and I feel and, like we're all, yeah, go ahead, Mo. my bad, my bad. No, I was going to, I was going to pivot. Go for it. No, I was just going to say like, I feel like we're all kind of like on that wavelength where like, we don't even mind the losses, but last night, I don't know how y'all felt. I wanted that win. Once we were up 10, I was like, you know what? Just, just, just for the, just for the squad, I'm, I'll, I'll be happy just to take a road win, even if like they don't have Booker, they don't have CP3. I, I like once we were up ten, I was like, all right, I, I wouldn't mind a win tonight. You know what I mean? I'm all for like you know getting increasing our lottery odds, but that would have felt like a good kind of like you know a way to end the week, uh, a tough ass week. And then this motherfucker, like I don't know how y'all feel, but like I do believe in momentum within games. You know what I mean? Like it swings. You know what I mean? Like little things oh, happen sure. that could swing emotionally. A, a whole team you know what i mean just like it fuck, fucks him up or you know amps him up that fucked up our whole momentum you know what i mean as soon as he got ejected we was up 10 that lead deteriorated you know what i mean i'm not saying like Jules is like lebron out there in the fourth making sure we keep the lead because that hasn't been the case but i'm saying like we had a much better chance of winning that game you know what i mean so that's that's just my one last take on the whole bullshit last the, night the knicks need every single opportunity to win you, you don't we, we don't benefit from taking things away. And, you know, I know we we're, we're fake analysts, fake doctors, <laughs> fake, fake sports psychologists. On experts. This, this, this isn't this isn't a, a psychology pod, but like, yo, losing 17 out of your last what 20 something games, it's it, it takes a toll on the team. I know as fans, it takes a toll on us, but we're not like like losing games. We find a benefit from it. We're like, oh, we're going to tank. We're going to get this nice young player. There's no way RJ Barrett Randall's in the locker room thinking, yeah, man, we're going to lose and get Jaden Ivy on our roster next year. Let's go. Like these guys are desperate for a win and you being the best player on the team, taking that chance away from these young guys who, who are hungry for wins, who, take some pressure off your coach. None of us want tips on the team, but you know, you really stand for this guy. Take some pressure off him by getting a win. Like, this is frustrating to see. And on top of that, like RJ, like cap, give, give this guy RJ one win this week. He's been on a tear since he's come back. 
to, to no benefit. Like, there's nothing good coming out of this. Because, yeah, it's, it's nice for us as player, as fans to be able to see, like, there's a growth in RJ's game. There's a progression in RJ's game. But for these guys who are hungry, who are fighting every single night, it doesn't mean shit when there's no win on the table. Exactly. Like, you see John Morant yeah. celebrating a 50-point 50 50 point game because he won the game after. RJ has 46. Yeah, he's going to put his little story up saying, like, yeah, come back season, blah, blah, blah. But your team can't celebrate. You, you guys have to put your head down, walk into the locker room, it takes a toll on the psychological mind and it's frustrating that's why the Knicks podcasting game is so strong right now because we all need this this isn't this isn't an <laughs> option this is a necessity right now the, the Knicks podcast there's a there are a million of us now because we're all going through this now this game had all the ingredients of a Knicks loss you got the blown lead you got the Julius temper hurting the team you got Alec Burks playing point guard and not being a catalyst for the offense you got you have another player Cam Johnson having a career game against the Knicks you got missed free throws in the fourth quarter. Alec Burks missed that last free throw, and he got that late sub for Fournier and, and Cam. Ugh. But now, you know, the one thing I'm going to point to for, for what Faiz just said, the losses that we're getting are very difficult losses, but they're not blown out losses. And you got other teams that, you know, they're kind of in that mode right now, like the Lakers, where they're, they're piling up these losses, but they're not good losses. We have players, young players who are fighting to at least get us to that point, and we just lost – by one point to the number one team in the West. Granted, they don't have their top two players, but we have young guys playing well. And that's the one little takeaway I'll, I'll have that all these losses, they're all close games against top-notch teams. Um, but you mentioned RJ Barrett, who went six to 26, six for 24 last mm. night. Is he, is he shooting too much is, or is it just a, a result of Randall being out? I mean, he, he didn't have that much of an efficient night. He had 20 points overall, uh, you know, one for seven from three, Five rebounds, five assists. You know, what do you, how do you guys feel about RJ? He's taking the Mamba, Maple Mamba too seriously at first. But uh, no, nah, I mean, once Julius came out or like got ejected or whatever, that fourth quarter, I knew, I knew what time it was going to be. It was going to be RJ just like taking the game on himself. And he was up against Mikael Bridges. We you know we saw what he did against Miami, a top defense. But Mikael Bridges feels like he's been on a different tier as a perimeter defender this season. You know what I mean? But I did like RJ taking it to him. Um, he did get him a couple times. And am I am I upset that he shot too much? Do I think he shot too much in general? Nah. My takeaway is just like at this point, young man, just like get them all up. You know what I mean? Just just go out there. He earned this. You know what I mean? He's been kind of like restrained to you know kind of a lesser role, trying to like fit in with Kemba. You know, get Fournier you know assimilated to the roster, and then you obviously we got the head case Julius kind of going through whatever shit he's going through this season. RJ's earned this like opportunity to like take on this this load. Uh, pause and just kind of like shoot to his heart's content you know what i mean so i'm not even mad at it you know and it's not like he's out there trying to like just chuck up threes all the time we saw him trying to like you know work his way snake his way into the paint and it's not pretty it's not explosive but he's wor working with more craft you see like a change of pace a little bit more where he's making these tough finishes or he's he's going to that mid-range turnaround you know what i mean like he's leaning more on the mid-range now and these are all areas of growth that I'd wanted to see. And, you know, it's just all been about opportunity. And I feel like, you know, I'm not one of these people that's going to get mad at him shooting too much. Obviously, I'd want him to shoot well, but, you know, th this will happen. You know, he's, he's a 21-year-old kind of scoring-oriented uh, player. And right now, this is his first kind of first time really being the focal point of the Knicks since he's gotten here. You know what I mean? He's He came to the squad same time as Julius. And I feel like this is the first time where he's really getting that opportunity to be like, okay, I got the ball now. I'm pushing the ball. I'm pretty much a pseudo point guard now. You know what I mean? So that's my take on it. What do you think, Faiz? Shooting too much? 
No, definitely not. I, I love it. I love seeing that he's taken more than 20 shots a game. That's that's what he's here for. He's a guard. He he should be having the ball in his hand. He should be shooting more. He's not as turnover prone as Randall, but there are some turnover issues, but I, I'm, not, I'm not too worried about it. What I like to see was the five rebounds, five assists. He's dishing mm. the ball. He, he's getting there. And like, like you said, he's not taking chucking dumb threes. He knows he can make the three, but he's trying to slither his way into the paint. They have a pretty good defense. I feel like we're not talking about how good the Suns team is playing without having CP3, without having um, uh, Devin Booker, because yeah. these guys have built a chemistry from making a, ch- a championship run. I know a lot of guys don't like admitting that, but like when a team goes on a run like that, when they play meaningful basketball, you develop a chemistry. That's why you get players like Cam Cam Johnson stepping up, being able to shine in the moment because this guy has played in the finals, man. He's played in, in more important games. You think he's fucking scared of the Knicks team shooting a shot at the end of the game? No, they, they were just much more co- composed. They were much like them going down 10 points. Like it was not something that they were worried about. So um, I know I'm going a little bit off topic, but I like, what i'm seeing from rj i think uh if if you're telling me a bad game from him is 20 points five rebounds five assists i'm not complaining man and on top of that uh he's getting to the line 10 times that's what we're focusing on yep. you know this is the time for growth we're gonna lose these games anyway unintentional tank or not you know so i like i like what we're seeing from rj i like that he's helping other players and to pivot a little bit uh other players were benefiting from RJ Mitchell. Like, you know, you got Mitchell Robinson grabbing offensive Facts. rebounds. Mm-hmm. I know we talked about it offline a little bit earlier this week. We're worried about this Mitchell Robinson contract thing. But if I'm Mitchell Robinson's agent, I'm showing him last night's game, showing that this guy got nine offensive rebounds over one of the perennial, like a really good center and DeAndre Ayton, a guy who's asking for a max. But, you know, Mitchell Robinson really benefited from that. And, you know, Mitchell Robinson's been benefiting from RJ's playmaking in general. They've been a, a good pick and roll uh, duo coming into the paint. And I, I don't know, we talked about it earlier, and I'm personally not too crazy about signing Mitchell Robinson. I think if we can get him on a cheap contract, I would be really, really excited. I think the ups and downs, there's a lot of high ups and a lot of really low downs. But I was wondering, what do you guys think about Mitchell Robinson and this, this whole contract situation? I can take that more. Yeah, I mean, so I want to say this is probably like, this is an exciting times for Nickers. This is like where we first, first time I feel like we're going to divert and kind of have like a little bit of a, a debate amongst our, our, our newly formed trio. But I'm all the way with just paying Mitch, um, keeping him. I want to keep him. And it's, it's one of the reasons, and you brought it up right now, RJ finds him well. And it seems like RJ is the only one that has a developed chemistry with Mitch. And Mitch loves playing with RJ. And I just don't want to take that away from, from RJ. You know what I mean? Because I feel like at this stage, we're, we're at the realization now where we need to build Ron, uh, RJ Barrett. You know what I mean? So taking Mitch away, while I do see, like, there are a lot of, you know, smart analysts out there that are kind of breaking down, like, you know, the cost-benefit ratio, you know what I mean, of, uh, of keeping Mitch. And I did kind of the analysis. Like, yeah, centers nowadays, if they're not skilled offensively, either they could, if they don't shoot or they don't pass like that, then they are kind of like a dime a dozen. But the ones that kind of, like, you know, Mitch that are in Mitch's prototype or archetype, those kind of guys that go bear Capella, they do get paid. And my thing with Mitch is on top of, you know, his chemistry with RJ, he's still 23. And, you know, this is one of those old cliches you hear all the time from like NBA analysts, NBA players, big men mature slower. You know what I mean? So 23 right now, he could be looking a lot different at 25. Like we're just seeing it from Miles Turner, you know, like these last two years are like the two best seasons of Miles Turner's career. So my thing is like, I, I definitely get the trepidation in terms of giving him max. I don't want to give him max because it seems like Mitch's like team, his agents, whoever the fuck, they're smoking dick. Cause like I don't 
they, they demanding the max. I don't know what the hell. That's why this man has had like eight agents. It's, the guidance is not on point with whoever's around Mitch. With all that being said, though, if we could get to like kind of like a Capella salary range, I'm talking about like when Capella first got his extension from Houston. And at that point, he wasn't Clinton Capella yet. He was just like a big man that they had, uh, you know, they were willing to invest in and give up, you know, give up Dwight Howard. And it turned out he had good chemistry and he filled in a role for those Houston Rockets teams. I feel like Mitch under better coaching, you know, hopefully, you know, knock on wood, we get Johnny Bryant making more modern, you know, offensive sets next year that utilize the big and the pick and roll. I think we could see him even flourish further if we invest in him, show we're committed to him and, you know, keep him tied to RJ. But that's my take. I know, you know, if I use more of a uh, more negative on Mitch than uh, I am, but, uh, Mo, what do you think? Like, yeah, or, you know, I was actually pretty surprised. I let you take it because I thought you were going to be more in agreement with Faiz from our offline talk. So mm, I was expecting I mean, you to say I was expecting to be in a little bit more agreement with, with Faiz. But in any case, you know, some of the points that people make are the potential of Jericho Sims and what we saw mm. in that Philly game, because no doubt about it, Jericho Sims outperformed Mitchell Robinson when it came to Joel Embiid. Um, my point overall is Jericho Sims has a ton of potential and what I see from Mitchell Robinson is that he's shown what he's capable of. That is, it's not really much about potential for Mitchell Robinson. It's more about consistency because he's on and off, on and off. But when he's on, he is on. I mean, he went eight of eight last night, 15 rebounds. He had more offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds last night, which is crazy. Four steals, three blocks. And like you mentioned, pick and roll game with RJ Bear is on point right now. And, you know, the contract wise, I think Fize, I think, you know, offline you mentioned you're not willing to give him more than 12 million. I'm not sure if that's still the case, but for me personally, I'm, I'm okay with giving him up to maybe 15 to 16 million and try to get a team option in there. But Mitchell Robinson is like, is that cornerstone player. I'm not saying he's a franchise player, but he's definitely a cornerstone player. You know, a, a center with his capabilities is not that common. And we've seen from teams in the past that when you have a player like Mitchell Robinson, like Rudy Gobert, um, they're capable of winning a lot more games because he could be that defensive anchor as long as he's consistent. And that's been his biggest problem of being consistent. I think the potential is, is it's not just about potential anymore. Um, and so once he finds that consistency, he should be able to live up to that contract. It's just, he needs that right coach to push him in that direction. And I can understand if you have that issue with paying him because on a contract year, he's not being consistent, but that first third of the year, he was overweight. And now that yeah. he's finally, you know, at the right weight that he should be, he's building on that consistency. Outside of RJ, Mitchell Robinson has been, has had the best 2022 this season, in my opinion. Um, and I, I, I think, I think, you know, I can trust that once he's, he continues, as he gets older and older, the maturity level will increase and we'll see it both on and off the court. Man, it sounds like the honeymoon phase is over with Nickish pants. Our first nah. disagreement. <laughs> I, I'm about to get myself kicked off the pod. What two weeks in? Nah, bro, oh, get no. your skip Bayless on. Let's hear some takes. Go, go. See what you got. Okay, okay. Let's get the sleeves rolled up. Let's get the sleeves rolled the up. The handicap <laughs> match? Nah. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm gonna say you guys both made some really valid points, as you guys saw through the video. Like, you know, I was agreeing with a lot of the things you guys said, but I'm gonna use some of your points against you. Um, uh -huh. I feel like the the twelve million would be perfect. Like if I could get Mitch for twelve million, I'm I'm so happy. I'm not complaining about Mitch's game. I think he's a phenomenal player. I, I completely agree with you guys. Where the chemistry wise, having this guy on our team, the investment. It's also the investment as like a you know like having a a player who's been on our team that we drafted that we made the investment in and we get to see it pay off. That'd be so nice. I'm gonna push back on like sixteen fifteen million because like I just. 
I, I don't think the center role is just that pivotal in the NBA unless this guy can pass, can dribble, can shoot, which Mitch can't do any of those threes. He cannot pass. He cannot dribble. He cannot shoot. We've seen little bits and pieces of it, but like, if you're going to go into a contract year, I need to see more of you from that. Like I, I need to see that before I can go into that range. Now, 13 million, 14 million. I'm not, I'm not, I can, I'm brown, but I'm not that cheap. Okay. I can, I can go for that. I can go for that. But 15, 16 is when I got to start pushing back. Cause we got to also, we, we got to fill other needs, man. Like we got to fill this point guard need badly. If, if there's an ideal world where I can get a guy like Jalen Brunson and Mitchell Robinson on my team, I'm, I'm all there for it. But you guys are talking about players like Clint Capella, uh, Rudy Gobert, where have they gone? They've done nothing. Rudy Gobert has done nothing on that team. He's overpaid his shit. And yeah, they won aye, the aye, regular aye. season games, but... I'm about to push back here. Playoffs? No, no, no. But what's Rudy Gobert done in the playoffs? They have a really good team around him. He's a great center. Definitely. He deserves the money he got. But at the end of the day, he's not taking them over the hump, in my opinion. And I don't expect Mitch to be that player to take us over the hump, but I'm also not willing to invest that much when last year we had our, arguably our best stretch without Mitch. After he goes down in the Wizards game, Nerlens Noel, who has zero offense, filled that position for us, and we went on a streak. We, we went winning. You're looking at a player like Jericho Sims filling that position. Like, yeah, maybe Mitch is 5%, 10%, even 20% better than those guys, but I don't think that 20% makes such a difference in the NBA that we need to, like, invest in him. That's just me, though. So, would, you, would you be giving him up? Just, just to clarify, if if it's fourteen million and no Mitchell Robinson, you're gonna you're gonna give him. He's up? gonna let him walk. All right, not let's say fourteen million to keep it. A little um, damn, it's it's hard. It's hard. It's definitely hard. If you're asking me, I'm saying if there's if I have to pick between paying Jalen Brunson a little bit extra or paying Mitchell Robinson that fourteen million, I'm taking Jalen Brunson every single time. That that's my opinion. If there's no nothing to pay for, there's no player coming on our team, I'm not gonna cheap out and not give Mitchell Robinson the fourteen million. Like if there's no moves happening, yeah, sure, give Mitchell his fourteen team contract, whatever. Let, let's let's get it going. But if I could, if if I have to pay. Jalen Brunson, instead of 16 million, if I got to pay him 18 million to come on our team, I'm doing that, man. That's that's my opinion. I'd rather pay those extra two mil. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you're looking at Evan Fournier isn't a good example, but that's where you got to overpay a little bit, where players can shoot, where players can dribble. But I don't want to overpay for a player who just doesn't, can't do those things. It's in this league, like, look at RJ, look at all these players. If you can't dribble, shoot, pass, you're kind of, not important in this NBA. That's how we've transitioned, you know? That that's my opinion though. My thing is uh like to your point though, like you're right, Gobert and Capella, both with the Rockets and Hawks, he was they wasn't or they weren't factors in getting him over the hump, but they were important, significant factors to getting them to the hump. You know what I mean? Like what happened afterwards, you know what I mean? Like we're trying to get there. And that's at true. this point, it's kind of like similar to what Mo was saying, like we did draft him, we still have Scott Perry on staff. At least for now, he's the one that did draft him in the second round. I do think as far as like kind of going to the idea of kind of repairing the franchise's image, retaining a, a young player and kind of investing in his talent will go a long way to that. But I also feel like retaining him is good for the team because to your point, like, yeah, we have a hole at point guard. I, ideally, we would fill that point guard hole this summer, hopefully. But are we creating a hole to fill one hole, you know what I mean? Like if we like to your point, I'm all the way down with having both Brunson and Mitch if that's possible. Maybe it could be because 
we could go over our, you know, our cap to resign Mitch because we got his bird rights. And with Jalen Brunson, it could be a situation where we, you know, similar to how like they, um, you know, they traded KP for two pieces, Dinwiddie and uh, and uh, Bertans or whatever. Maybe we could trade them like, you know, in a sign and trade scenario, we get Brunson, they get like Burks and Noel. You know what I mean? So they get two additional pieces. And it seems like that's the kind of situation they're going with Luca in Dallas. Just speaking about Dallas, where it's just going to be him as a star surrounded by nothing but role players. You know what I mean? So that could that could be kind of convincing to them. Who knows? Maybe even throw them their own draft pick back again. I think that could work. But aside from that, I just think with Mitch, like I'm on the same page. I don't want to overpay, but I feel like we have two different definitions of overpay. You know what I mean? Like 16, 18 million, I could go for that. But like if he's wanting the max, if that's who he wants to be, like a max center guy, that's when I'm just like, all right, we got to explore. I, I'm sorry. The max center is out of question. He has not yeah. done anything. That's out of question. I The reason I – so I, I'm going to say something like – with the the patching, you know, we've seen it with the Knicks team, man. Let's look at other teams. You can you can survive in this NBA by just putting a patch over the center role. You can survive and make things happen. But look at the Knicks, man. We have been trying to patch up that point guard role for years, and we are literally the worst team in the NBA. That's the only reason I'm like a player like Jericho Sims, a player like Nerlens Noel, a player in the draft. Even you can you can make a center rotation happen. Look at it. I know obviously the Mavs are a way different team than us. They have Luka Doncic on their team, but they have no center. They they're they're mm. rocking Dorian Finney Smith and and uh, uh, Dwight. The top Dwight three Powell players. Also. The top three players in the NBA are centers. The center position is still extremely important. You got, but, you got but, Jokic, Embiid, Giannis. But all those yeah, centers can point, pass, though. pass, yeah. shoot, dribble. And right, Mitch, but they're, they're also a few years older. Now, the other thing is that... If, nah, but but, if, but those if, players if, have shown what they could do before. I'm saying we've... And that's why they're worth the max, so we're exactly. not in a situation. I think we're all in the same agreement. We're not trying to give Mitch the max, but there's got to be like the different tiers where, okay, we got to deal with these big dudes in the East. Like Giannis and Embiid are going to be yeah. there for the next five years. I'd rather have a big dude we trust. Like it's the devil you know over the devil you don't. But Mitch hasn't really performed well against these big dudes. At, in the, at the same time, though, he's only 23 too, though. You know what I mean? And like yeah, that goes to the point that, of like. he has that Rudy Gobert potential, he is absolutely worth Not the Gobert max, nice. but less. Rudy, and not even Rudy Gobert, Gobert right? Capella. You know what I mean? Capella's a right. tier below. You know what I mean? Or yeah. like even like. Tyson Chandler. It took Tyson Chandler a couple of teams before he really flourished. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And that's why, like, I love Tyson when he was here. You know what I mean? He was like, he got way too much hate from a lot of casual Knicks fans. That because they I'm didn't see his say, impact. I, I'm gonna mean? say one thing about the center position, though. It's, it's always a sweet spot, bro. Where it's like mm. they, they take a long time to develop. You'll get two, three years, maybe one, two years of really good play from them, and then they fall off a cliff again. Like Tyson Chandler, we got two, three years of defensive player, amazing basketball from him, and then he fell off a cliff. Like immediately I mean, falls off the cliff. That's I mean, and like that kind of aids my point as well because now let's invest in mitch's most productive and fruitful years yeah. with their head in the next three four years and then once like he's to that point where it's like okay that 30 is coming right around the corner 31 years or whatever just let him go then but right now i feel like if we're trying to kind of re- attain talent and build on a foundation i just don't want to take away you know what i mean a, a player that has that good chemistry with rj already um, that helps RJ's game and with different coaching. You know, what's been the story so far this season? We're just kind of, we're sick of just Tibbs not being creative enough or, you know, showing the offensive versatility. It's a read and react system that we don't have the players to play and our coach doesn't want to, you know, adjust or try to put in something that's different that could work better. So say we do change coaches. I do want to see what Mitch could be able to do in a situation where he's being emphasized more as a role man. You know what I mean? Because say what you will, the NBA regardless of whatever revolution or changes take over the league or trends that take over the league, 
simple enough. It's like if you got the bigger people on the court, you've got an advantage in itself right there. You know what I mean? It's how the Lakers won them titles. You know what I mean? They were just bigger than everybody. You know what I mean? And I feel like keeping Mitch and trying to invest maybe in the next two, three years. Like Mitch is well, not Mitch, Moe's point. Give him a three-year deal, third-year team option. I'm with that. You know what I mean? And you see keep, if he could flourish. If you had to choose, not if you had to choose between Jalen Brunson and Mitchell Robinson, you had to pick one or the other. Who are you going with? I think in a vacuum, I would take Brunson just because of the point guard hole FIE's talked about. We got Jericho Sims, might bring Taj back and maybe targeted center in the draft, but we're not in a vacuum. You know what I mean? I feel like I'd rather invest in the young talent we have. It just kind of, you know, to, to me that to me that'll show a commitment to RJ because if RJ sees like, okay, you just took away one of the teammates that I had a good chemistry with that I like feeding that was there as like, you know, when, when if RJ's game is primarily kind of based around attacking the rim, having a big man you can just throw a lob up to in like situations of like, you know, of dire consequences is, is always important. You know what I mean? You got to have somebody there as an outlet. You know what I mean? And I'm assuming this is also a situation where Julius is not going to be on the team next summer. So the spacing within the paint should be easier for, or for Mitch, you know, because if we're getting rid of Tibbs, I think Julius is out of here too. But that's neither here nor there. I just feel like I definitely like Brunson, the player. I see a lot of Fred Van Fleet vibes with him. You know what I mean? But my whole thing with Mitch is it's a devil you know over the devil you don't. Because at the same time, like you mentioned Noel and Jericho maybe capably filling in. Like, Noel literally is so far from capable now. You know what I mean? This season, he's been ass. Like, last year, you made the point that he filled in beautifully for Mitch. But that's because he was trying to get that payday. It was a pandemic season. And then we saw what happened. He's Mr. Glass. He fell apart. You know what I mean? And in the, and in the playoffs, the game slows down a lot more. And I think exactly. And in the playoffs, huge for us. Exactly. And Noel, it became exposed that Noel is nothing but a backup center in the playoffs because yeah. Capello is just, just like throwing around like a little boy. You know what I mean? Like, and Sims, he's definitely not that frail, skinny kid. But if you if you talk about Sims as an alternative, why not have both? Because Sims is under contract for like the next four years. That's super cheap. You know what I mean? He'll be a cheap backup to Mitch. And then when it comes time to like either, you know, let Mitch's second contract run out, then I think Sims will have shown enough to a point where we could keep him for cheap. You know what I mean? As so a backup. Mitch to know if the next contract is worth Exactly. It. You know what I mean? So that's like, you know, and then we bring Taj back as like a mentor for this big man group. You know, Jer- invest in Mitch and Jericho as our center rotation next year. Taj is the emergency big. I think that's what I want to see happen. But again, if he's trying to demand a max, then I'd say get the fuck out of here and, you know, enjoy Detroit. I mean, wherever I I feel like, I feel like what you're talking about with the devil, we know, man, the devil we know has been bad. (laughs) Like with Mitch on our team, we have been bad. Like, I'm not trying to say that's all on Mitch, but I I feel like with a solid center rotation, like somewhere, like if we had someone like miles Turner on our team and Mitch was backing him up, I'm there. I'm I'm all there. I'd say, Mm -hmm. let's pay him. Let's let's do our thing. You know, then we have a legit team, but I think we have the backup center lockdown. I think Jericho Sims is the backup center. I think upgrading Mitch would be nice. I like Mitch, but I feel like you're right. This isn't a vacuum. So that's why this is a really complicated situation. And I feel like my opinion on this is probably going to change too, based on the moves that the Knicks make. Now let's say we get a, a, a the fourth pick. Like we got a top four pick in this draft. You get a player like Jaden Ivy in all of a sudden we don't have to get Jalen Brunson. And then we mm, have somewhere right. we can invest with Mitch. I love that. But the thing is, I feel like without a point guard, we've seen Mitch's ceiling in, in my, without a point guard, Mitch's play is at a ceiling. 
with a point guard, Mitch's ceiling might come up a little bit more, which I do want to see. But you're definitely right, though. It's, it's this is a, what we're talking about is in a vacuum, and the NBA is not a vacuum. Exactly. If Mitch could screen a little better, I would be so much more for giving him that two extra million. But this guy can't even set a good screen. Like I'm seeing Jericho Sims set better screens mm-hmm. than him. That's kind of frustrating to me. I feel like you give Jericho Sims a year or two with these guys, he could be a rim running big because that's all at the end of the day. That's what Mitch is outside yeah. of a rim running center. He isn't much. And am I really willing to invest in an injury prone? Cause that's what he is. Let's, let's not, he is injury prone. He has gone, gone down injury prone. I know this is a really fucked up thing to do, but you see the shit he posted on Instagram, man. No, nah, yeah, not emotional. It is a concern. Like, it is a concern. They're, they're, that, and that's that's one of the things that we're not privy to, you know, because like if the if we're kind of sick of these social media posts and we kept seeing reports about his, you know, reported immaturity for the last couple of years, then I can't even like you know imagine what the real Knicks front office man, knows. We on our coaching staff, we have the big man whisperer. We have Kenny Payne. <laughs> like we have a coach for this guy. We have everything. Like I. I feel like I feel like we all in a in a general sense we're in an agreement like I feel like we have like the similar uh, opinions on Mitchell as a player, like Mitchell Robinson, his ceiling. I don't think we're disagreeing there. I feel like the money is tough. And I feel like I'm yeah. definitely counting pennies. Like I'm definitely like, oh, you know, I don't want to give him a little bit more. But, you know, I wouldn't be crazy if we gave him a 14 mil contract. Like I wouldn't be like heated, like blood boiling. But I'm also, I feel like I'm kind of dumb. I also thought <laughs> Nerlens Noel's contract was mad good last year. I was like, yeah, you know, we signed <laughs> Nerlens Noel. It's lit. And I was, I made a mistake there. So I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I just, I just think that the pool of players like Jalen Brunson, is a little bit bigger than the pool of players like Where Mitchell Robinson. No, 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 I'm, no, yeah, no, I'm after side of Faiz on this. If <laughs> if that was yeah, exactly. Like, where is our point guard then? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like these rim running bigs, we got Jericho Sims and Mitchell Robinson at the end of the lottery. These players don't have value anymore, in my opinion, in this NBA, when you're structuring a legit team. You made the point of the Lakers who had two bigs like that. Yo, Andre Drummond is coming off veterans minimum. These players don't matter anymore. Like, if all you could do is, like, catch the ball, lob it up, and, you know, like, do that, you can't create an offense for yourself or others even. Like, you're too reliant on the other players, and the Knicks don't have the other players to benefit. Yo, Mitch is, would kill is, himself. No, 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 no. Yeah, let me, let me chime in. Let me chime in. In the no, 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 let me chime in. Mitch would kill himself if he ever woke up with Andre Drummond's field goal percentage. Let's yeah. make that clear. That's, that is very true. Because that, that man is not no, no, no. as efficient as Mitch. Very, you know what I mean? yeah, that definitely. counts for something. But the last like, championship we saw win with two bigs like that was they had a rotation. They had uh, hmm. Dwight Howard. They had Marcus Gasol. Anthony Davis. So you had three three different types of bigs. You got Dwight. Like, let's Mitchell Robinson, Dwight Howard at this stage. You can kind of. Eh. Marcus Hall could shoot. And Anthony Davis is a generational type of player. On top, yeah, Marcus Hall could shoot outside. On the, on I don't know, but like, I don't think he was on that championship team, though. No, no, like, he, he was. came he the year after. Because Hall wasn't on the bubble chip. No, no, he was. I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah, no, he wasn't. They replaced I'm sure. Dwight with Gasol. I'll bet money on this. I'm sure. I'll wait, bet money wait, on wait, this. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, y'all, y'all, y'all willing to put your money up? Live. I put for the viewers. I put 10 on it. Argasol came and you replaced Dwight Howard. Lakers. What was it? 20. 2020? LA Fitness. Just put Lakers LA Fitness. It'll come <laughs> no, no. Dwight, Dwight won the chip that season. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, then he, won it, but they had a center rotation. They had, they had McGee and Dwight as a rotation when they won. Gasol came the year after. Y'all are playing in my you're face. You're right, right. You're now. right. You're right. Guess all came the year after because we yeah, all thought yeah. they upgraded. That's that. We I all thought time. they upgraded. No, no, no. But, um, no. Nah, to that point, though, it's like, yeah, they did have a center rotation, but I'm not advocating against the idea that the center, if you're not having an elite guy, then, yeah, you got to be smart about the money you invest in that. I'm not against that idea at all. 
what I'm saying, though, is I don't think we've seen the best of Mitch. And I feel like, to your point, he might get better with a point guard is your point. I think he definitely will just because oh, no, he definitely it's, will. It's, no, no, no. Yeah, I don't it's the nature of the he game. Definitely you know will. I mean? he definitely exactly. Will. And uh, I mean, to your point as well, like, you know, point guards have been hard for us to attain, especially. But I also feel like with RJ's kind of development we've seen so far, uh, do we need like a super ball dominant point guard this summer? That's kind of the opens the question up. And if 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 we kind of see RJ flourish more and more as a playmaker, like I think Jalen Brunson is a perfect fit with him. Yeah, exactly. But if we can't, I was just about to say, if we can't get say. Brunson, do we want to like throw the bag at another like big name point guard, or do we want to kind of go back to that mid, you know, mid level or you know, I think, mid range round or level of like spot, point guard? Find a sweet spot right between there because I'm off the mid the mid level like Ricky Rubio type of I'm saying Malcolm Brogdon maybe someone like yeah. a li- tier right above that tier right under that like Jalen Brunson Fred Van Vliet like all these guys where and, and I I have to agree with you when you say you don't want a ball dominant point guard you want someone like Jalen Brunson who can run the ball alongside RJ because mm-hmm. that's the priority development I feel like I feel like we could wrap this up by saying that we all agree that if we could get both on our team we would be very very happy Hell yeah. i think yep. i think in the Facts. ideal situation to get both we're not going to be able to pay mitchell robinson what he's asking for but i feel like at the not end the of the max, day yeah. i feel like other teams aren't going to even be willing to pay him that much like even the pistons and stuff like how much are they really going to be waiting to pay this guy because his representation changes like yeah. month, and, like, and they just traded for bagley too who's like pretty yeah, much been that rim running center good, for them now good, you know what i mean pretty good so i think pistons are out you know um yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, talking about Mitch, man, this week was kind of tough to see him, like, foul out on Sunday's game against Philly. Like, that was frustrating. I mean, to be fair, Jericho Sims also came out. But, yo, you're hearing other analysts talk about Jericho Sims and, like, zero points, but he made his mark on Joel Embiid, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then the next game, he plays a little bit better. But, again, Joel Embiid kind of bulldozes him. Now, is it fair to compare Mitchell Robinson against an MVP candidate? No, but at the same time, you know, like these are the guys we're playing against. We're playing against Joel Embiid four times a year, basically. And if he can't hold his own against a guy like him, Giannis, oh, it's, it's tough. Man. I mean, it's tough. to your point about the championship, though, we could kind of close out this Mitch topic. And then I think Mo got our next topic locked and loaded. But just to kind of close it out to your point about, like, you know, the center rotation with the Lakers last year's chip. It was Giannis. But like the whole kind of idea about Bucks kind of offense and their dominance was just like it all was built out inside out. You know what I mean? Like the interior presence of Giannis meant a lot. And that's his pure brute force strength. And obviously he's skilled. I'm not one of these people that's just like, oh, Giannis don't got a bag. Nah, that that dude's nice. But Mitch kind of on a super grand, super lower scale kind of provides that same presence in the interior. And like his field goal percentage, his true shooting percentage. I want to bring up, shout out to Eric Spolstra, the Filipino GOAT. He said 10 years ago, he was complimenting Tyson Chandler. I probably bring this story up like every year on our podcast. He said Tyson Chandler provides the Knicks vertical spacing. And that like that terminology was burned in my memory because when you talk about spacing, obviously we, we all know it's like shooting. You know what I mean? Like being able to spread the court for your, your playmakers and scorers. Vertical spacing is literally like, you know, as, as it sounds, like the pressure on the rim. And regardless of the three-point revolution we've seen so far, I'm still pretty sure like the majority of the points that are scored every year in the league are within the paint, layups and dunks. So if we have a guy that specializes in that and brings that threat, you could add around it. And then RJ is going to get more skilled. He's going to provide the playmaking. And we're seeing his jumper come around, more of a consistent off the dribble shooter. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know about y'all. This is kind of a whole different topic, but I'm willing to keep Fournier now as well, just because he oh, compliments kind of like RJ's game, what we're seeing blossom. And I feel like that's a good compliment to a pick and roll chemistry that hopefully would be 
the main component component of our new offense next year if you know tips is gone so it's just like you got to consider all these factors i just feel like if we're trying to build eventually to a title contender not saying mitch will be on on the eventual knicks championship team you know what i mean but i do also feel like if we're hearing rumors about other teams being interested and we sign them to a deal let's say it's not max let's say it's like that perfect kind of middle ground and jericho kind of shows out next year as a backup then we could even entertain trading mitch and Trading like someone like Mitch at 24 years old, a big man that's shown as much as he did, it's a lot different than trying to trade Burks and Noel at the deadline. You know what I mean? Like, st- I still think there'll be some believers on the uh, around the league next year um, if we get to that point. But uh, right. that's just my takeaway. You know what I mean, just had to. I mean, since you mentioned Fournier, you mentioned Fournier, so that that leads on to the next topic because you know a lot of us will point to that late substitution that Tibbs did, where he took out Cam Reddish, who was playing well. And sized up, sized up very well against the Phoenix Bigs and their and their wings and brought in Fournier. So, you know, you mentioned that Fournier would be would be good um, when it, when he when he plays alongside R.J. Barrett. But where would Cam Reddish fit into that kind of lineup role or ide- ideology that you have? I think Cam Reddish is a way different type of player. Where like Evan Fournier fits in our offense a little bit more, like the ideal version of Cameron, uh, Evan Fournier at least fits in where you know he can handle the ball for a few seconds, he can catch and shoot, he can do all that. But Cam Reddish adds something that we haven't seen on this Knicks team in a long time, like pushing the ball from one end to the other end as soon as he grabs it, uh, getting into the paint, drawing a foul. Like Evan Fournier isn't aggressive like that that Cam Reddish has, but I think in an ideal world you could play both of them. Like you could play both of them in in the team. Uh, I feel like a player like Evan Fournier gets a lot of uh, like flack because like you know shooters are just streaky like you look at a lot of these shooting type of players they just have off nights like whether it be Mikael Bridges whether it be Evan Fournier like I, I put money on Mikael Bridges having more than like 16 points the other night this guy had 11 points uh, <laughs> on a team without CP3 on a team without anything last night he goes for like 25 leading the scorers on the Suns besides Cam Johnson so these shooter types of players are all over the place I feel like I don't know like Cam Reddish this guy got to see more minutes, man. This this is uh, this is frustrating. I don't know why it's tied in where Cam Reddish has to play or Evan Fournier has to play because they are two different types of players. They are not bro. the same type of player. Yeah, like I feel like Fournier falls more into a shooting guard than he does into a forward where like Cam is just a forward. He is a forward. He, he's barely a shooting guard, you know? So I feel like they're using Cam in this really weird way as if we're like the Lakers trying to win a chip, like a catch and shoot player in the corner where, yeah, Cam can catch and shoot. Yeah, he can shoot the ball, but there's so many more things he brings to the game defensively, offensively, besides what Fournier can bring. I'm with you, bro. I think I'm like, I, I, I we used to clown the Cam stance on this pod, but I think I'm becoming one, bro. This last week, just he's so his much flashes. Bro, his flashes are ridiculous. Like, legit, like, that take he had to the rim last night. Mm-hmm. It looked like a Paul George clone. And Paul George! Paul George, literally, that's the best comparison you can make. Like, Bro, and then that this is why Tibbs is a sick bastard. Because right after that play, he benched him. <laughs> and we didn't see him till, till the end of the game. Um, And then when it was too late. And that tells you either he did it intentionally to tank or he's a fucking retard. Or apologies for the R word. He's a, he's a fucking idiot. Apologies. But my whole thing with Cam... And, like, the game last night, the story of the fourth was, like, a tale of two cams. You see what I did there? I mean, Cam Johnson, Cam Reddish. If he, if Cam stayed in the game, we probably would have won that just because I feel like he's got that 
like it's it's like instinctual chemistry with RJ. Obviously, they're boys. You know what I mean? It just looks beautiful when they're like trapping. You know what I mean? Like shit looks like you squint. Like oh shit, this is MJ and Scotty. On, on <laughs> they trap it, Tony Kukoc right here. On top of their chemistry with each other, Cam has something that no other Nick player has, which is just a good feel for the game. Like exactly, he, can, he, he has the awareness that the ball is coming in. Let, let me go for a steal right now. Where other players, they don't know when to time things like that, and like. Cam Reddish could be someone like Cam Johnson on our team. Like, mm. you know, he's not, he's not really, a, yeah, he's not really a power forward, but you could play him. He's sized up and he's a good, def- he could guard at least one to four. So he can Hell like, yeah. he, he can take that bench role and run a bench unit and, and be that guy. I- imagine a bench unit of Emmanuel quickly and Cam Reddish. You have two legit plugs, like spark plugs. Like why can't Cam Reddish be, Kelly Oubre type of like he can there's a lot of things Cam Reddish can be and I feel like I'm just so frustrated that we're just not giving him the time that he can get it but at the same time I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate maybe this is what Cam needs because you look at the shot selection he Mm -hmm. had in the beginning of the uh, of his tenure with the Knicks it was it was disgusting I did Mm -hmm. not want to see that guy on the floor and maybe Tibbs doing this shit is making Cam a better player I know we don't want to give Tibbs any credit this is a non-Tibbs crediting podcast but I mean, to be fair, though, time in there, I do kind of give credit to Tibbs for the development he's done for it, it's a bit obvious to me that he's been good for RJ, but I also feel like he's done his job. It's almost like I brought it up previously. He's like our Mark Jackson. He 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 laid the baseline. You know I mean, he went and got the groceries. He brought it into the kitchen. Now he's trying to get him out the house. Now we got to get him out the house to get a new chef in here to cook the meal. You know what I mean? That's Johnny Bryan. And then to to round back to Neloy's or, or Moe's pardon <laughs> to Moe's, uh, 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 you know, inquiry. Of, of of like it being like Evan versus Cam. I don't even think it's that, bro. And I feel like the Suns are the perfect example of that. Like you brought up Mikhail Bridges, you brought up Cam Johnson, they got Jay Crowder. Yep. In the modern NBA, to build towards being a winning team, you got to have like that kind of stable of wings. You know what I mean? We got our kind of young star RJ. Now we got Cam, we got Grimes, we got uh, Evan, and they're all kind of like different flavors of a wing player. Yep. Yep. And with Tibbs, it might be kind of a you know a log jam or a clusterfuck. But I feel like with the right coach he would be a right coach or a good coach would be creative with the experimenting with those lineups because, you know, to Faiz's point, Cam could be, he could play two to four, you know I mean? Two, three, four, because he's got that length. He's got that athleticism. And, you know, that goes to the whole point about Obi. I know he didn't play last night, but it's also like with the right lineups and right experimentation, all these guys should get ample playing time. It's just Tibbs is not that coach for that. You know what I mean? And I feel like in an ideal situation next year, our wing rotation is looking nice. You know, RJ is going to grow. Grimes is going to grow. Cam is going to grow. And Evan's going to be that baseline vet that's just there to at least be decent on good nights when the one of the young boys, you know what I mean, uh, can't show up. So I just, I don't think it, it's even a question of Evan versus Cam. Tibbs made it that last night. Really, right. what should have been is it's like Burke should not have seen any fourth quarter minutes. It should have just been RJ, Evan, and Cam out there. You know what I mean? People are mad at Evan. I dig it. I get it. He, it was hor- horrific decision, but similarly, how people are mad at Burks. I'm not mad at Burks' person or the player. His his demise is all because of Tibbs. You know what I mean? And like I said from the very start, we need the coach that pushes the right buttons. And last night, it's either we were intentionally tanking or Tibbs is just a fool at this point. Like you know what I mean? Like he's 65 yo, years old. He's just stubborn as shit right now. Yo, talking about Tibbs and and coaching. Did you guys see that report where they're talking? Like Mark Berman uh came on a, came out on a podcast and he was talking on Nick's podcast and he was talking mm. about how uh Tibbs doesn't allow any of the assistant coaches to put in an input during the game for plays. So what? how our coaching rotation what? works? Yeah. So how our coaching rotation works is actually certain 
coaches, assistant coaches get grouped with certain players. You guys should definitely watch this. It's, it's super interesting. Mm-hmm. So it's like uh, uh, Johnny O'Brien will work with RJ, the wings and whatnot. Kenny Payne works with the bigs. Like different coaches have different things. But when it comes to in-game, like the modern NBA where other coaches are uh, talking about, hey, maybe we should set up a play like this. Maybe we should do this for this. It doesn't work like that with Tibbs. So how Tibbs does it is that he – follows the old school type of NBA thing. Head coach sets the play for the the, the game. Head coach sets the defensive sets, everything. So we don't even know what Johnny O'Brien might do as a coach. We have no idea. He's like a developmental guy then. Yeah, yeah. He's just, the the rest of our guys are just developing and we're seeing growth and development. You, you know, uh, Nafi's out here giving credit to Tibbs for development when my bitch might might just be Johnny O'Brien. Might just be Johnny O'Brien I need to see Tibbs out, man. This is so frustrating. Yo, that explains a lot though. We just need to get ejected one game for us to see What happened to the old Tibbs? Curse someone out, man. Do something. He's not doing anymore i'm telling you he we don't see red face tibbs anymore he's on he's on probation he knows he's he knows, Nazi, he knows. Right? but uh <laughs> well that makes a lot of sense and it clears up a lot of things because like the offensive or the lack of creativity in the offense it it never made sense if johnny bryant had any input for us to be that uncreative because this man comes from utah quinn snyder who runs one of the most complex kind of like offenses ever like it's super like you know i mean it's super you know, schematic in the way he lays it out Bro, and ensures we that like ju- everybody touches week, the ball. It's like, you know what I mean? Week, we were jumping for joy when we saw like a two, remember double screen? We saw like a double yep, screen yep. play mm-hmm. for RJ to get opened up and we were like, oh my God, the Knicks can do that instead of play. Like <laughs> I'm watching, I'm watching the Suns game last night and I'm seeing the, the, the screen setting that they have off ball screens. Like you see, um, I think it was Cameron, no, it was it was for a shot for Cameron Payne, I believe. Cameron Johnson in the paint setting a screen. Player comes off. DeAndre Ayton comes right after to set mm. a screen and then get a guy an open shot. You will never see shit like that. Set by the guy who probably should have won the coach of the year. Yeah, yeah. 1,000%. Like, uh, we was hating last year, but yeah, now nah, Monty, Monty need to go beat Tibbs up for that. Tibbs, like, I'll Tibbs pay to is, see that. Tibbs is like, the, it's like, it's like your Bengali mom who like rings all the water out of the, the lungi, out of the clothes, <laughs> rings every last water and then lets it to dry. But Monty Williams is smart and goes, yo, I'm throwing the clothes in the dryer anyway. Let's just, let's just use, let's use what we got. Let's, let's use the benefit of what we got, man. Oh, this is. It's really he, just kind of pissing me off as a Tibbs fan because it feels like all the like the fears have come to fruition. Like he was not a player's coach. He's rigid and not an offensive mind. And you can see why he's not an offensive mind because you look at his tenures in Minnesota and Chicago. He loved having like an ISO having offense and like vets that he could rely on to just like always handle the ball and do that reading reaction he liked. And it worked because in Chicago, he had D Rose for a bit, Jimmy Butler and Joaquin Noah was an elite passer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now we we're seeing what happens when he doesn't have those those. And RJ is not an ISO level player yet. Not yet. Not He's yet. much better when the ball is moving. There's motion, but yep. that's what that's what happened last game. RJ was playing a lot of ISO plays. Uh, but I think before we wrap up this episode, I want to bring up tomorrow's game. They're playing the Clippers, who won five in a row. So, oh, Faiz, <laughs> score prediction tomorrow: Knicks versus Clippers. What do you got? Damn, I feel like it's really hard to predict uh, games like this because. I could see the Clippers blowing us out of the water. They've been playing real well without Paul George, without without um, Kawhi. Kawhi. And, and Kawhi. credit to Ty Lue, uh, you know, a real coach. coach. Re- really knows. I know we used to make mad fun of Ty Lue when he first became the coach, and you know LeBron, all these memes. But yo, he's really stepped it up, and 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 
shown that he can manage these players, get the best out of Reggie Jackson, man, whoever it may be. But uh, I could see it going either way, man. I know that's such an easy answer, easy out to take. But um, if it was a Sunday 1 p.m. game against the Clippers, I, I know the Clippers are winning. I've watched that too many times. Every year we play the Clippers on Sunday 1 p.m. Ass. But uh, maybe, maybe the Knicks come out surprising people. All I know is if it comes down to the fourth quarter and the Knicks are up, take the Clippers live money line. Because it's, it's 10 are, p.m. By the way, it's, it's a night game. 10 p.m. Right? Yeah. We still um, gonna get cooked. E- either way, either way, what's gonna end up happening is the Knicks are gonna have a lead going into the fourth. They're gonna drop the lead to a guy like Terrence Mann, or like you're gonna see some random power forward who shoots threes. Zubac is all of a sudden gonna come on the perimeter shooting threes out of his ass. <laughs> no, what's gonna happen is Ty Lue is gonna coach circles around Tibbs. He's just gonna start like flexing on him. He's gonna put out a lineup out there with Reggie Jackson at the five, just cause, just to show like, just oh, this is what a real coach does. We adjust. <laughs> I can see a good game from RJ coming through because I don't really think they have a really great defender. I don't know if you guys remember last year, Kawhi and PG were guarding RJ. And yeah, he was still, taking it to Kawhi, bro. Still, and they Beautiful. came out after post game. Kawhi was like, yo, this guy, RJ, he's looking real good and stuff. So I don't really think they have anyone who could guard RJ. So I'm hoping for a good RJ game. Facts. I hope Mook. Mook Morris, if he plays tomorrow, Marcus Morris, I hope he slaps the shit out of Julius. Just That's like just the guy. Him up. So remember, you know I mean? said there's gonna be a power forward who goes off from three. Yo, take Marcus Morris. Him. Take Marcus Morris over on threes, guys. I want to try. I want to see Julius try that hothead shit with Mook. Just, Oof. just see what happens. You know what I mean? He's he like, not gonna. He, he definitely not gonna. gonna. He definitely not gonna do that. <laughs> he played on the same team as Mook. He seen Mook throw the ball on on uh that that Washington player's head, bro, in the pre preseason. Yeah, people was. forget Mook was our number one option when they was both on the same team. Bro, we was have, like, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir, Mr. Marcus. Shout out Marcus Morris for bringing us Emmanuel quickly, bro. That's Shout out Marcus sure. Morris for dubbing the Spurs, signing with us, and getting us Emmanuel quickly, man. <laughs> Always got love from Mook. Yeah. Love that guy. Hell yeah. What about you, Mo? Let's close this out. What you think? What's, what's the prediction for tomorrow? Carnage? It's a 10 p.m. Bloodshed. game. We're going to, by this by the time the third quarter starts, we'll be down 20, and then we'll bring it back up to 12 points. And mm. by that, by the end of the game, we're gonna be we're gonna lose by 15, 16. We're all gonna go to we're all gonna go to sleep at two a.m. on a Sunday night, day before work Mad. starts. Pissed <laughs> off. It's gonna I gotta start, work six a.m. Next start to the work week, guys. Oh, good lord. Well, sounds like fun, fellas. Yep. <laughs> hey, all I right. mean, yo, I'm gonna say one thing, man. Maybe this all benefits us because the Knicks still have one of the hardest schedules, and the teams that are around us, like the Kings and stuff, the Pelicans. Pelicans have been rolling; they've been winning. So maybe this, maybe we can end up in that top six, guys. That's all. Tank our way to the top. I'm reading that Sixers book again tonight. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed, bro. We we're overdue for some lottery luck. We say it every year, but come on, man. Like, come the fuck on. Especially after this year, like Adam Silver needs to just come Adam on. Silver, you damn please. Cuck. Give me the freaking <laughs> pick. Why you give the Pelican Zion? You know what? We're gonna end up with Zion and RJ on the team. That's how you know we should end the podcast. I'm I'm going crazy right now. I'm going crazy right now. All right, we we appreciate you guys checking out this episode of Nickish. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nickish Show. Check out our website. Grab yourself a hoodie today. Nick ishcom <laughs> Uh, Give us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And make sure you tune in next week for the next episode of Nickish. Until next time, everyone, take care. Peace. Peace. Peace.